Welcome to a special edition of the Incacast, where to celebrate the release of Sorceries 1 and 2 on Steam, Way! we're going to uh, have a little retrospective of the series. So first to introduce ourselves, I'm Tom Cale. I'm Joe Humphrey. And I'm Johnny Moore. First off, a little bit of history. Um, would you guys mind explaining how Sorcery first came about? So, I was a massive fan of Sorcery, and the, the Steve Jackson books, but Sorcery in particular when I was a kid. I can't even remember now how we met him, but we got his email address from somewhere, like from <laughs> a friend of a contact of a contact of a friend or something, yeah. and we went to the pub to show him, I think we showed him Frankenstein, or like the early build of the engine that we were going to use for Frankenstein, and he looked at it, and I remember what he said, which was, come back when you've sold 10,000 copies of that, and he just sent us away again. And we went away all like, oh, Steve, oh, he's just such a hard-nosed businessman. We can't possibly work with him. For context, you've also got to bear in mind that John was a massive fan of Steve Jackson. A massive fan like, of Steve Jackson. So uh, I was just sitting there going, oh, my God, tell me about everything. Uh, my naughty secret is that um, I've never heard of Steve Jackson. Let's hope that Steve's not listening to this have right you, now. Had you even heard so of the I, wrong Steve Jackson, the Munchkin? No, Steve I hadn't heard of either Steve Jackson. Um, <laughs> I got the so, two confused, but I'm probably the only person in the world who thought he was the, the US one was the UK <laughs> one. Right? So, Han, can I get a retrospective on this? What are the two Steve Jacksons? Well, our Steve made? Jackson is the Fighting Fantasy and Games Workshop <laughs> Steve Jackson, and the Lionhead Studio is Steve Jackson. And the American Steve Jackson is the Munchkin Steve Jackson. Which, if you put it side by side in numbers, clearly the American one's got one point and our one's got three. So, <laughs> um, anyway, to, to, to finish the story, so we, we came back a bit later once we'd, I think we'd finished Frankenstein, and we said, look, we're really keen on, on this license, what can we do? And Steve was great, actually, because he gave us a lot of freedom. Like, we laid out a couple of ideas. We wanted to take out the dice, we wanted to put in a combat system that narrated itself. We had a vague idea that spellcasting would be whizzy, but I don't think we really knew what it was. <laughs> and that was pretty much it, and he just let us go away and rewrite it. I think he was a bit surprised when he first played the build, because it is his book, but it's a lot more than his book. And I, 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 think, he's, I think he's enjoyed seeing how they've developed over the... Yeah, over the and time. of course, uh, Sorcery 2 and 3 are massive departures from uh, the original uh, yeah. books. I mean, Sorcery 1... We at least uh, stayed true to the original book mostly. Yeah, it's like, kind there's, of it's there's a lot fleshed out. Sort yeah, of thing. yeah. Um, and two, yeah, two has a few <laughs> little extra bits and bobs here and there, and then three, and three is just, just is just yeah, different. different. <laughs> but Steve's great because every time we see him, we kind of go, "Is it all right? We've added a few things, Steve. What do you think?" And Steve kind of goes. Have you got more features? We need more features. <laughs> That's a key thing. Like, okay, I'm glad that Sorcery 4 is going well. What are the new features, John? I want to know what the new features are. <laughs> and he's see. not wrong, to be honest. Like, we do end up adding new features in each one, partly because we're restless, we like to try new ideas, um, but partly just because it's kind of necessary. If you're going to sell a game nowadays, well, ever, <laughs> not nowadays, um, you need to keep adding features, and no matter what um, people like to think about it being all about the content, like I, I kind of wish it was about the content, that we could sort of have the equivalent of a film industry where you use the same medium and you keep creating... And the same bloody three-act structure. Right? <laughs> yeah, and it would be nice to be able to do that, but actually you do have to keep adding features. I think the only example of a developer who doesn't really is Telltale, perhaps... 
And who knows? I mean, but, in their engine, I bet they are adding features. Yeah, no, sure. And maybe more sophisticated, and especially and better camera that. You know, especially especially in it, different but, games, like different series, mm, um, yeah, yeah, right. different franchises, they have yeah. different features. I think one of the key features that I really enjoyed sort of developing across the sorcery games is the freedom of movement because like the first one mm. it very much follows that game book model where you're always moving forward you can't go back there are no loops in a game book because you can't make a loop in a game book unless you get people to write things down or do something complicated right. and then in two we kind of added some loops but they were all written just like a game book so you'd go back on the map but you wouldn't mm. go back in the content it was all kind of it was mm. like climbing up a, a multi-story car park or something you'd end up in the same place but higher up in the, in the <laughs> stack or something and then we got to the end of that. We're kind of like, well, it almost felt like an open world. I wonder if we could, we could actually. I mean, surely we can't. That's ludicrous, right? <laughs> so that was really exciting for Sorcery Three, really actually opening it out. But it's a bugger now because Sorcery Four has got to also be an open world, and it's quite a lot of work actually. Yeah. <laughs> so the map to me is one of the sort of the distinguishing Inkle game features. And I'm really curious. I mean, I think Sorcery One was the first Inkle game to use a map. Yeah. Right? So it, so we kind of started. Um, well, while we were working on our previous project, which was Frankenstein, we had this idea that you... Because we were still thinking in terms of the book at that stage, and so we had this sort of idea that you could have a page within the book where you had this nice um, illustration of a map, and rather than choosing a chapter or choosing which page to turn to or whatever, you could just choose a location. Um, and then that kind of developed, and we had these thoughts of... Um, so in, in Frankenstein, again, you, you're very much reading a book, whereas we were trying to create the sensation in sorcery that you were reading something that was inside a map. So rather than the map being in the book, the book was kind of in the map and kind of spread, up, spread out across the surface. Um, and so it kind of developed from there. And as soon as we had the map as the starting point rather than the pages of a book, it kind of developed naturally. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember that because I was writing the content before I, we were working on something else, and I think we, we hadn't really started on the sorcery engine mm. um, when I was writing the content, so I was prototyping yeah. it inside the Frankenstein yeah. engine, the book engine, and sort of you could play the entire game from beginning to end in this book format, and, you know, I was quite happy with it, and I thought, oh, this is really nice. You know, I come from a total texty background. I was like, oh, this is lovely, this is great, it's going to sell a million. <laughs> and then Joe came along and sort of started to do the graphic work and put it into a map and it just transformed overnight which is crazy because it's the same game it's just now on a map yeah like it's we, we, will, same, we always but loved, the difference was so big absolutely we we always loved the idea of um having a nice graphical map but then i think not even we can claim to uh say that we we thought of all of the good affordances that it would bring like the the amount of value that it brought in terms of demonstrating to the player all of the pathways that they could or um, could, they could take or the ones that they didn't take, um, more importantly. Mm. Um, and that adds so much. Yeah, and just that point when... Or there's a choice near the beginning where it's like, do you want to go left or right? And I'd written that because it's in the book and that was the choice you get. And, and then suddenly you put it on a map and it's, do you want to go left? Oh, I wonder what's over to the left. Do you want to go right? Oh, I'll have a look over the right. And you can actually look at it and yeah. think, oh, do I want to go to the river or the mines? What sounds more sensible or interesting? And mm. just, it's a completely different and it, experience. It, it suddenly, it's such a treat to find. It transforms it almost into a proper game because games are all about kind of intention and you know, deciding to do something because you have the intent of doing something two or three moves in the future. And when you can see the map and you can see something that the text hasn't talked about yet, 
but that you can see that you could try and go there. And when you try to go there, you can go there, and you end up there, and you see that there's something valuable there. That's yeah. kind of a magical moment. And, you know, when you're, when you're walking through the village early on and you overhear someone say, the gold is, there's lots of gold in the mines, that might mm. be all you hear. You don't get a yeah. marker, you don't get yeah, a clue, exactly. but if you happen to notice it and happen to see the mines exactly. on the map, and just that stuff starts to really feed together. Yeah. So that really, that pretty much changed everything, I think, yeah. when we got that map yeah. up and running. Do you know, I can't remember when we first did it, though. Did we did we get the map off the Illustrator? Mike Schley, the Illustrator. Did we just tell him to go away and make a map and then put it in the game? I think we did. I don't think we had a prototype map at all. I think we just got it as a piece of art. We just mm. thought it'll be a nice piece of art. We'll put the gameplay on it I, I definitely remember that we asked him... We, we told him the kind of the topology, of course. We told him where yeah. everything had to go. But I don't think we had tested it in-game until we actually got it back. I think we... I think we bought this piece of art thinking it would just be a nice piece of art and we put it in and we're like, oh my God, it's the entire game design. <laughs> but the lovely crazy, thing that we yeah. learnt from, from that map and moving forwards on the later games is that Mike, uh, if we let Mike add incidental details that we say, we don't care what you put here, but just make it look pretty, then all of a sudden he'd add these details and it was so tempting to just bring that and put it in the story again, which is lovely because mm-hmm. you, you have this lovely back, back and forth between the, the narrative and the map and they both feed each other. Yeah, that's really true, actually. I think that was one of the things on Sorcery 2, especially because it's in a city and he drew every single building in the mm. city. And like, I didn't go anywhere near filling them all in, but there were mm. definitely a couple of places where I'd be like, oh, that's a really cool-looking building. I yeah. wonder what it is. Yeah. Well, we'd better go and find <laughs> out. <aren't we?" laughs> it's funny because it's kind of the inverse of what a lot of games do where they'll throw all of these beautiful graphics in your mm. face and they hint at so much. And you think, wow, I wonder what's in that castle in the mm. background. I wonder what's in that house. Mm. Can you climb that mountain? <laughs> and actually, most games, like, they don't give you the option to. Or if you can, there's nothing there because they can't create... That's like a like proper video text. game cliche, isn't it? If there's a mountain in the distance, you can go there sure, yeah. <laughs> but I think what's interesting about sorcery is not only can you go there but actually you can put whatever you want to be there without having yeah. to worry about actually making it Building a 3D it. environment exactly. and exactly. changing yeah. what the players Though there are a couple of places on, on the maps that like look beautiful look interesting I think a couple of them are even labelled as places but you can't go there but it looks like maybe you could have gone there because <laughs> I always think there's something really intriguing about like it's funny, games don't do this very much, but all the old text games I used to play back when I was kind of working as an indie did this a lot, that you'd have a door which has got a description and it's locked and you can hear something, you can hear voices behind it, but you can't figure out how to open it and then you move on and you always wonder what was behind that door. And of mm. course, in the code there's nothing, but in your brain. And I do <laughs> I do love a little bit of that, just a mm. little bit of of kind of, yeah, something hidden behind the scenes. Yeah. So just how big is the Sorcery 1 map? How many locations are there? I have no idea. It's <laughs> I've got no idea. Fifty, maybe. Oh, right, it's less all thing like that. It's not. It's not that big. And then Sorcery Two is is about two. No, it's about three times as big. But then some of the locations are houses where you can explore inside the house. So mm. that's got a lot of sub locations. And then some of the locations you can revisit. Right. Like they're different at daytime and nighttime, or the second or third time you go. Right. Um, See, that's interesting because I've actually played. I've played both of them twice. But Sorcery 1 feels bigger for some reason. I think it's because the map literally has the same size on screen. I think mm. that maybe isn't quite true. But mm. it feels like, I mean, from the starting point, you can just choose to either left or right or down the middle. Yeah. And actually, you can just reach the end through any of those paths. You can play the entire game without ever repeating content. Whereas I feel possibly more in 2, when you're in the city, 
even if you do take a different route, possibly also because of the uh, the time loop mechanic, you do feel you're seeing the content again, possibly more. Yeah, I think I one of true. the things we really wanted to do with Sorcery 2 was try and address the problem that people got to the end of Sorcery 1 and they said, oh, well, that was, that was quite a short adventure, actually. And we said, oh, but there was loads of variety. And they said, oh, I didn't see it. I just bombed straight through to get to the end. And then I got to the end and I missed everything and... And people mm. felt a bit sort of cheated. I mean, it's one of the reasons why for the PC release we put one and two together. Is one is a little bit short, and mm. two kind of makes up for that by by trying to say by trying to give the player ways that they can really explore and really go in deep. If mm. they don't want mm. to, then they don't have to. Sure. But like, but to make it part of the core gameplay to explore more fully. Yeah. So I mean, Sorcery Two has what uh, twice, two or three times the amount of content, but in terms of number of hours playing it. It's many more times than that. Um, yeah, because you, you can, can really see. You can really, yeah, play through all the content. But I, yeah, I didn't necessarily get the sensation playing number two that um, I kept seeing the same content more than once. It definitely, it was, it's more that it allows you to see the same content. Right, whereas one okay. you just take a route through to the end. Yeah. Whereas in and two, it encourages yeah. you to loop around. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially if you're like me and you can't let different people play differently because like sure. I'm, I'm very much an advancer player so I always just charge through to the end leave all the branches behind and kind of go well I'll go back if there's a reason to go back but I'm mm. not going to explore just for the sake of exploring but sure. I quite like the way that the design works for both types of players mm. like you can explore if you want to but you don't have to you can advance if you want to but you don't have mm. to the other thing I find interesting about the scale point that you brought up was um, the fact that Although physically we kind of build the maps at the same kind of scale, you know, it's just it's just a map, you know, it's the equivalent of having it on a an A2 sheet of paper or something. And it, there's not really any difference between the Sorcery 1 map and the Kare map. And yet Kare is really zoomed in, it's really tight, it's in a city, whereas Sorcery 1 is kind of a journey across a big landscape. And I find it interesting, like the correspondence between like the scale of the world that you're in and the, the map that you view does does just having a view of a larger space make the game feel bigger i love the way that the the maps yeah they make the games feel different i think one of the things that's going to be really exciting for sorcery 4 is that it's a bit of mountains and it's a bit of this citadel so it's kind of a mashup of the way the first book is, the way the first mm. book map is, and the way the mm. second book is with a city, and there's mm. some other mechanics borrowed from three. So it really kind of brings lots of elements from all three parts together into this one space. And mm. like we haven't quite built that yet, so we don't know quite what it's going to be like. But yeah. it's going to be—I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm really out. excited about that. Thanks for listening to the special edition of the Inklecast. You can buy parts one and two of Sorcery on Steam, and stay in touch by following us at Inkle Studios on Twitter.